Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Donna Scott. Glory to God. Glory to God. He's worthy. Just continue to worship Him. He's worthy. Tell Him. Tell Him what He's done for you. Tell Him. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, surely my enemies would have swallowed me up. But God, who is rich in mercy, wherewith he has loved me with an everlasting love. He heard my cry. Woo! I don't know about you. He had to come down real deep to get me. Real deep. Set my feet upon a rock. Oh, did Miss Darling want that up here? You can go ahead and do that. The Lord told Miss Darling, we want this so symbolizes what I love. He breaks chains. So we, she says she wanted to hang that. So Holy Ghost, he's here to break some chains. He's here to break some chains. He's here to break some chains. In your mind, in your thoughts, in your home, in your body, in your money, in your family. He's a chain breaker. <laughs> I, I know him as a chain breaker. I know him as a few things, Jim. Chain breaker. Way up at the top of the list. Chain breaker. Chain breaker. Chain breaker. Chain breaker. It didn't matter what the storyline was. It matters not the circumstances. The Spirit of God spoke to me in 2010. He said, I was sound asleep. Sound asleep. And I sat up in the middle of the night and was instantly as awake as I am right now. And the Spirit of God says, there is no tragedy. There is no trauma. There is no wasted place. There is no loss that I can't heal, restore, or make it all new. See, it's one thing when you've got something to work with. It's one thing if your building has a room that just part of the house caught on fire or something blew through and a storm knocked off your back porch or maybe somebody got killed or maybe the child you dedicated to God got killed in a car wreck or maybe that child that you saved your savings for for college got raped. Come on now. You've got to know him as a chain breaker then. You've got to get something down inside of you that says, I will not move. This is what I come to talk to you tonight about. This. Turn your Bibles to Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Bishop had no idea where I was going. He didn't ask and I didn't say. So just so you know, God's doing this tonight. All right? The Lord has uh, talked to me so much about victory in years past. I've had the distinct privilege of being a part of the house since they came, really. Our, our, our paths crossed the week they launched in first version, I call it. And um, 
But I connected and locked in, Stacy, 070707, the night of the call. And for those of you that don't know me, I grew up in Central North Carolina. I've come from an average blue-collar family. Mother was a cop. Daddy was a contractor. I had two brothers. I'm in the middle. Until I discovered a new brother this year, but that's another story we'll save for another time. It's awesome. God is doing it. Long Lost Family on the Learning Channel. I could do an episode. It's a wonderful thing what God is doing in all of that. But my point is, is that the house and what God has said to me about this house has been so beautiful throughout the years. So many prayers, so many dreams and visions, so, many, so much change in my own life and in the lives of those around me. So it is my distinct privilege to be here and honor to be here. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He set my mind in order. When there was no order. Oh, God. See, you got to know where I come from. So I'm Scotch-Irish German from the heart of Central North Carolina. And they say somewhere in the trail we mix with the blacks and the Indians. So it's just really fun where I come from. I didn't know it until I was grown that I had hillbilly blood. Because in my family we were kind of taught that we were not hillbillies. But I definitely come from hillbilly stock and I'm proud of it. And the more I learn about the hillbillies and the more I learn about their grit... And the, the tenacity that is on that group of people, the more I love the fact that I come from there. It, it, I know our identity is not based on the family or the topographical area we come from when we are a child of God. And we're going to speak of those things tonight. But it does matter in how you think and the lens you look through and, and how you see people, how you see God, how you see life. So my mother was fourth-generation law enforcement. She was a deputy sheriff, and my father was a contractor, and my two brothers, one became a cop and one became a contractor. So when I came out of high school, I actually was thinking about going to the Navy. I really wanted to be in the Navy. I wanted to go in the, na in the Navy. I wanted to go in the Navy. And I don't know why, but I just picked the Navy. When really, I, you know, it, it seems so odd now. But in a way, I kind of get it because I was thinking about that this week. And in my mind, the only job that I could imagine myself doing was being on the aircraft uh, carrier and, and letting those planes land. You know where they land and they, they grab that wire right at the end before they go off, you know? I wanted to be that person out there while they're coming down and while they're going out. And that, that's what I ended up being a 911 operator for police and fire for a few years and then I spent the last 28 years of my life working for contractors if you're a contractor could I just ask you to stand up if you're any kind of contractor or if you have done construction as a tradesman or as a skilledman or as a helper or laborer any type of construction I love contractors <laughs> I've prayed for him for 28 years, and God has taught me so much about the... Stay standing, gentlemen and ladies. Um, I, I just want to pray. If you're around these people, just stretch your hands and turn towards them. Even if you're not in construction in this season, there's something really, really special about God-loving contractors. It's so kingdom-oriented. 
Father, we bless these men. We bless their ministry. We bless their capacity to build. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I loose the miracle working power of God over the men and women standing who have industry knowledge of building. And I pray that you use that to transform their thinking even more and show them their value in a greater weight. In Jesus' name, I bless you. Um, so, contractors are on God's mind. They're in God's heart. I'm not preaching on construction. I'm just saying <laughs> that God really loves contractors. He loves because it takes knowledge to know how to build. It takes skill. And it's one thing. If you have the skill and don't have quality materials, it's another thing if you have quality materials and don't have the skill. And in the kingdom, it takes both. We have to have quality materials and we have to have skill. Well, what's the materials, Miss Donna? It, it's your character, your integrity, how you think about the church, whether or not you're diligent. Whether or not you are sincere about your role as a builder. Paul tells us in Corinthians that you're the building. This is where I'm going. To what he's doing in you. Through you. Around you. In spite of you. Come on, somebody knows what I'm talking about. Am I the only one that you had checked yourself out for the 19th time, but God came and restored you again? Am I the only one in here that cried out, have mercy God again with the same sin or with the same rebellious mind? Sometimes I knew what I was doing and sometimes I didn't, Jim. But God, he kept coming for me. He came for me when I wasn't even looking for him, Dennis. He kept coming for me when I didn't even want him there. That's the God we serve. So tonight we're talking about diligence. Tonight we're talking about grit. Tonight we're talking about setting yourself and honing your focus so that you can see clearly what it is that God is saying to you. And more importantly, why he's saying it to you. Why is he telling you to do any particular thing or to yield to any particular situation? Can I help you somebody tonight? Yielding to God has nothing to do with whether or not you're right or wrong or they're right or wrong. I'm trying to help somebody, Bishop. Yielding to God has nothing to do with whether you're right or wrong or whether the other person's right or wrong. Or whether an institution's right or wrong. Yielding to God has to do with you being willing to be molded. And he does have a way in his sovereignty and in his awesomeness. And in the fire of his love to do it in a way that when we break down, we find him. And when we yield to him, we realize what we was fighting for we didn't even want anyway. And, and, and if it wasn't for God, it, it would have taken us out completely. So Isaiah 61, that's where we're going. 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He's talking about you. He's talking about victory. He's talking about the house. To preach good tidings to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. That's you, victory. To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. Come on, believe it for yourself right now. Let yourself see yourself doing this. Verse 3, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil for joy uh, for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And they shall rebuild the old ruins. Still talking about you. What does that mean? They shall raise up the former desolations. What does that mean? And they shall repair the ruined cities. The desolations of many generations. Whoo! Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. And the sons of the foreigner shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But you shall be named what? The priest of the Lord. The priest of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame you shall have double honor. And instead of confusion they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore in their land they shall possess, possess double Keep going. Everlasting joy. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. Verse 8. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery for burnt offerings. I will direct the work in truth. I will make with them an everlasting covenant. Their descendants shall be known among the Gentiles. And their offspring among the people. All who see them shall acknowledge them that they are the posterity whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God for he has clothed me. Somebody say clothed me. He's clothed you. What has he clothed you in? Garments of salvation. What is that? Robes of righteousness, crowns of glory and honor. That's who you are, victory. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments. And as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its bud and the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth. So the Lord God, the Lord God, the Lord God, the Lord God, the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. Lord, we just thank you for your word right now. Father God, in Jesus' name, I just pray right now that everything I say, God, would fully articulate the things that I feel like you've given me to say. In Jesus' name. 
John 14, I just want you to listen. I don't want you to feel like you have to go around to these scriptures. I just want to read some things because I, I want to go somewhere with this. John 14, 1 through 4, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know. And the way, the way you know. So we see here the same thing we see in verse 10. Jesus is talking about going and preparing a place. And it also says in verse 10 that he is preparing himself. It says he decks himself. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord, Isaiah 61.10. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation, and he has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments. Jesus himself lived outside of time because we know because it says that he was slain before the foundations of the world, right? He existed outside of time. He came into time, left the realm of time, and now he's in two realms and then it says we're in two realms. So Jesus is preparing and has been preparing and is in a constant state of preparing. Because we know this because he says I go to prepare a place for you. So it speaks of a place that's ready for you now and it speaks of a place that's ready yet still to come. One of my favorite, thank you sir, one of my favorite life verses and those who know me real close know this, Hebrews 10, 14. It says, he perfected forever them that are being sanctified. The house message that the Spirit of God has been saying lately is get ready, prepare more, and at the same time, it's, it's, a, it's a national call. It's a global call of continuing to get ready. Ready for what? A wedding. We're going to a wedding in case nobody's reminded you lately. Every time I hear about a wedding, the first thing I want to know is, okay, like, have they picked the colors? I want to know the colors. Maybe it's a girl thing. And you know that feeling? The music begins to play and everybody stands up. And you turn. In walks the bride. She's just through the threshold. And people go. <gasps> it's speaking here of him preparing himself. Verse 10. He decks himself. That Hebrew word, kahan, it speaks of being a priest. It speaks of serving priestly. It speaks of consecration. It speaks of being made into a priest. It speaks of beautiful adorning. 
being made handsome. Just imagine that right now. Just go there with me in your imagination. Jesus is preparing himself for the day that he's with us. For the day that he is preparing for that wedding. He decks himself. It speaks of not only him dealing with his role as a priest, preparing for her, but it speaks of him particularly taking special attention to his face and his head. His face and his head. It speaks of shining brilliance. It speaks of specifically preparing for a wedding covenant vow time. We ourselves, in our own preparation processes, it's one thing to be delivered. It's one thing to be taught by the church. And I don't know how many. Is there anybody in here that's only been saved less than a year? Just raise your hand. Don't be ashamed, Miss Sarah. Anybody else? Okay. Anybody less than three years? Let me see your hands. Okay. That's cool. Okay. How many five years or more? Five years or more? Ten years or more? Keep them up. Ten years or more? Twenty years or more you've been a Christian? Twenty years? Thirty? Thirty years? Glory to God. Forty years? Forty years you've been a Christian? Keep your hands up. Forty years? Wow. Fifty years? Fifty years you've been a Christian? Glory to God. Look what, look what all God has sent you, Bishop. This is our house. In that time, I'm sure you can all attest, especially to younger Christians like Miss Sarah or this young gentleman who's in his first five years, that first year is different than year five. Year five is a lot different than year 20. And so there's a constant drawing of the Spirit for us to change and be transformed. And yet, there's a place of living in the present and in the presence. So you get both. There's always limitlessness in God. And so, in this word, He decks Himself. We know that the bride is supposed to be preparing herself. This is what I speak of tonight. Your preparation process. What it looks like. What it feels like. Do you know what God's doing to prepare you? Are you yielding to Him? Do you know how to yield? When's the last time you felt like it hurt to say yes to Jesus? Come on, somebody. Betty Joe, I know you know what I'm talking about. You see what I'm saying? We have a house vision. We have an ordained hour. This hour is our responsibility together. As one. As one. I have this saying, my girlfriends know this. That I, I, I'm, I'm saying it all the time. Nobody left behind. Nobody left behind. Nobody. Nobody victory is getting left behind. If you're weak, if you're sick, if you're broke, if you're discouraged... If, all you got to do is get connected. You won't stay there long. And if you don't want to stay connected, 
then you really should stay connected because that's an indicator that you really need to stay connected. I'm all about diligence. I'm all about staying the course. I haven't always been that way. God knows I've quit so many times on him, but he never quit on me. He never quit. He never quit. I remember one time I was in this season. It probably goes back 30 years. I got saved when I was 12. I'm 51. So technically, I'm, I'm approaching the 40th year mark. So I didn't grow up in the church, but I've been around it a lot in 40 years. And in this particular season, I mean, I'm talking about the glory, sister. People got healed. They spoke in tongues. They had, they had crutches and wheelchairs and braces hanging on the wall of all the people that had been to the meetings. Had a man healed from AIDS. Cancers disappeared, George. So they bore up under as well as they could at that point being prepared. Then schisms came. We know that schisms come because Paul says, unless schisms come, what does it say? Y'all know the word. Unless you can be mature, you wouldn't be mature unless you went through the schism. I know I'm not the only one that's ever said that to you. It's in the word. He wants us to have staying power. He wants us to have diligence. He wants us to be willing to go, Oh God, okay, I thought that was you, Jesus. Now I see it's not. Excuse me. I'm sorry. He wants us to be able to... My mom had this saying. She said, Donna, just be sure you're not going to do something for Jesus and pass right by him. It really challenged me in my early walk with God as a young adult. Unless we're preparing... What does that look like? Well, we have the answer. It's throughout the word. One of my favorites in answering how we do that is in Isaiah. Let's just flip over there. 33. Isaiah 33, verses 14, I think it is, 15, 16, something like that. Isaiah 33, 14. This is how you let yourself keep getting prepared by God. Prepared for what? Prepared for anything and everything. Whether it's personal, whether it's subjective, whether it's objective, whether it deals with your family, whether it deals with your personal flesh, your holiness walk, whether it deals with your business, your city, whatever it is you have a heart for, whatever it is you think God is calling you to. Here's your answer. Isaiah 33, 14. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness has seized the hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? He who walks righteously and speaks uprightly. There's your first answer. Just learn how to walk holy. Just learn how to walk and don't quit. Just learn how to let that little pet sin go. You know the ones I'm talking about, right? Okay, let me just say something right here. Okay, this is my house. I can say this because Bishop said I had liberty. I'd say this anywhere. 
whether they gave me the liberty or not. But if you got a little pet sin that you're stroking that little devil, you know the ones I'm talking about, the ones nobody sees, the one nobody knows, but the Holy Ghost convicts you over. You know what I'm talking about. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it tonight. Get rid of it. 15. He who walks righteously and speaks uprightly. This is how you're prepared by the fire of God. He who despises the gain of oppressions, who gestures with his hands, refusing bribes. In other words, uh, you don't take money for the wrong reason and you don't go after money for the wrong reason. Man, there's so many opportunities to take money for the wrong reason. I got to tell you, I'm in a new area of my life in this area of myself. I mean, after making lots of money, lots of money, to walk by faith. And not know, not be able to work that deal. Come on. Who stops his ears from hearing violence. I, I still remember the day God convicted me over Justified. Y'all know Justified, the hillbilly show about Marshall Raylan Givens? Love that show. And I still remember the episode where the Holy Ghost was screaming at me, Turn it off, Donna! He had been dealing with me. It took me a while. But I finally cut it off. I refused to let my eyes and ears entertained or be entertained with violence. This is a big stronghold in our culture. Let me just go here for a little bit. If you can deal with giving up entertainment that is violent... And if you can get to a point where God's taken me and Susan and some of the other women and some of these other men too amongst you, where we're ready to just face violence, our courage now has superseded our inferiority. Our courage now has overwhelmed. The, the harvester is overtaking the sower in this area of courage. This is an hour that we all have to be willing to look violence down. Come on. I know you know what I'm talking about, saints. We're not talking about people who don't know the Lord. We're not talking about the lost right now. We're talking about a house full of people with your own testimony. Your hands are raised 10, 20, 30, 40 years. We got to face some devils and we just need to tell them, look, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. And I'm taking all of heaven with me. I'm taking every bit of the anointing I can give from myself. And I'm going to take all of victory with me. And if you're afraid, that's okay. You stand right here, honey. I got you. And if he's afraid, that, that's okay, sir. Don't worry about it. I got you. Come on. Who stops his hear, ears from hearing of violence and shuts his eyes from seeing evil. We're talking about how to be prepared by the fire of God so that you have everlasting endurance because Jesus died to give it to you. So whatever's got to be prepared in your flesh and whatever demon you got to face and take authority over and cast out. This is what we got to do. This is what we got to do. He said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right there. He said go, preach, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, 
cast out demons, raise the dead. I'm ready. I'm ready to go try practicing on that one. I've tried to raise the dead three times. Three times. Once was a gentleman who had AIDS. God had been dealing with me about him. This was, I think, the second year me and Jeff were dating. We'll be married 24 years in November. We dated for two years. And to be honest with you, I'll just be real. Because I had partied with him, because I had lost my testimony as a Christian and my holiness walk had been defiled in my witness, I just refused him, Jeremiah. God was dealing with me sincerely to go pray for him and just believe. And I refused. I waited. I resisted. Finally, I get a call one day. I'd been kind of keeping up with him because I'm not circling with him no more. So, But I get a call from a friend of a friend. You know how it goes. Hey, he, he, he's, he's dying, Donna. You, you, you told me you wanted to go pray for him. If you want to go pray for him, you need to go. I don't know if he'll make it through the day. I was like, okay, I'll go. And I'm like, uh, Mark, I call my brother. I was like, will you go with me? All right, yeah, I'll go. My, my brother Mark and I, we had been on prayer assignments before. We tore down Satan's altars and burned them in his backyard. And I'd been going on outings, you know, praying for women in the maternity ward. And baby's going to die, mama's going to die. We'd go up there, we'd pray, we'd take authority. She's checking out of the hospital the next day. I mean, woman's in intensive care. Three weeks. Three weeks. She's laying like this. She can't even talk. She's in the uh, room next to my uh, sister-in-law's mother. We went to pray for her, and we get ready to leave the hospital room, and they're like, uh, Donna, you know, pray for her. She, they just moved her in here today from intensive care. She's, she's, she almost died, and she still couldn't speak, couldn't sit up, couldn't eat, nothing. But they moved her out of ICU to this room just a few hours before I got there. We went over and started praying for her. The Holy Ghost fell. I felt like God told me anoint her feet. I went over to her. This is after we've been praying for her. And I was like, oh, ma'am, hello. Uh, my name is, you know, Don. I'm a Christian. I said that. I'm a Christian. Can I pray for you? You know. And she's like this. Oh, Christian. I'm a Christian. That's what she said. I said, okay, ma'am. As, as, as soon as I knew what she said, it was on. Oh, man. I was like, yeah, now I got some faith in the room with her. You know, so we went for it. That woman stood up, raised up the next morning, and went home. She was a full-time minister, Darlene, and had been for years. It was just good. But anyway, back to this friend of mine who was troubled and in a bad state and passing away of AIDS. Um, I hadn't seen him in a while, and they all knew that I had, you know, gone after Jesus, they called it. We understand you're going after Jesus, they called it. And um, my brother said, I'll go with you, Don. I was like, okay, I'm going to come pick you up. Well, i got to go home and take a shower first. I was like, no, just come in your work clothes. Let's just go. He's a contractor. I was like, no, let's just go. So anyway... Went over, picked him up, took a shower, we got to the hospital, and as soon as we turned the corner going down the hall, I knew he'd already gone. Everybody was in the hall. 
And they still let me go in. I still pray for them to be raised from the dead. But not like I would today. I'd pray different today. I've learned a few things since then, Doug. I'm telling you, this is our destiny. He said, go, preach, heal the sick. Come on, you know it. Cast out devils. Cleanse the lepers. you got to see yourself like this. Raise the dead. Amen? Amen. Another opportunity I had was, okay, now don't laugh. I'm just saying I've been practicing, but not recently. But I had this kitten. The kitten died. It wasn't my kitten. We kind of found it, and it was just, you know, but I wanted it to live. But I had already been studying on raising the dead. And I was like, oh, I could practice on this kitten. You know? Why not, right? I mean, I knew the scripture that said that all of creation is waiting for the manifestation, right, of the sons of God. All of creation. We have the ability to heal the whole earth because Jesus has already done it. He's already done it. It's a finished work. So I went for it. Little kitten. I can still remember the recliner in the living room. I was sitting in the recliner. Jeff wasn't in the room because I, I wasn't brave enough to tell him what I was doing. I was afraid he might think I was crazy. So I remember I was in the recliner rocking that little dead kitten. And I just laid hands on it. And I spoke the word of God to it. And I breathed life into it. And I said, in the name of Jesus, rise. And that little kitten, he just stayed real still for a few seconds. And then it was kind of like, hmm. Kind of moved around a little bit. I was like, and when I saw that, I was like, okay, I poured it on some more, you know. And, and he came too. And he didn't live very long. He only lived like, I want to say a day, day and a half. And then he passed. Then I sat with the Lord and I wrote a beautiful poem called Delivered to Die. I have purpose inside. And I saw the revelation of the wonder of resurrection power and how I was delivered to die to myself because I had purpose inside. So it helps me in my crucifying self-life, preparing. So we're going back. We're talking about Jesus preparing himself for you and how even now, even this moment, he is preparing for intimacy with you he is preparing to talk to you in a greater way. He is preparing himself to show you himself in a different way, in a deeper way. You may know Jesus as Savior. You may know him even as Lord. But he's so much. It's in and of him. He is everything. So there's, you're never going to exhaust what he might want to say to you or reveal to you. Because in and of himself, he's everything. He's the centerpiece of the gospel, as Bishop says. He is all about what life is all about. And so when you think about him decking himself... <gasps> you to tremble 
It says, let every man walk out his own salvation with fear and trembling. It's one thing to fear God and have reverence for him, but it's another thing when he continuously shows up and makes you tremble. This is a lifestyle. If you've never trembled before God hearing his voice or being in his presence, if you'll be so bold, will you raise your hand? If you've never trembled. Okay. So the way to allowing yourself to see him preparing for you is through the everlasting burnings. It's through communion with him, the way of submission, the way of steadfast, continually, continuously letting the Lord be the Lord, yielding to him. Usually when people lack a fresh experience, not always. It can be sin. But usually, if someone comes to me privately, they're struggling with the lack of being able to perceive what he's doing in their lives in that moment. They either somewhere along the way detoured off the process Jesus had them on, or else they just can't see it. They can't understand the dynamics of the circumstances mixed with, okay, I want to believe he's good. We want to believe he's good. The word says he's the holy and the just. So in and of himself, everything about him is justice, Cecily. He'll never require anything that takes us away from him being just. That right there, it was worth coming tonight just for that. He will never require anything of the process that he has you in that would take you away or not him prove that he's just. He's good. His ways are right and pure. We have a right to change. The word tells us John 1.12. Just listen. Let me read over here and we're going to wrap up. What time is it? I can't see the clock. Okay, okay, good. John 1, 12. We have a right to change. Okay, we're talking about your process. This is where we are. We're still where we started. What is God doing in me? What is he doing in victory? What is he requiring of me? I mean, come on, he gave his life for you. He might require something of you. Okay? It might hurt. It might make you feel like you're going to die. see no way out a couple of times Josiah there was no way but he never failed me I let him have his way inside of me and he proved to me that he really was that good just God people had told me about we have a right to change John 1 12 but as many as received him but as many as received him to them, he gave the power or the right or the authority to become the children of God. To those who believe in his name. To as many as received him. I remember, I still remember where I was. After all those years of serving Jesus, I come to Florida. I left a promotion. I had a job. I had 
good money. I was going to Bible college and seminary. I had a 4.0. I got to pick the custom artwork and the cloth from my office, from the president, the company. God picked, or I thought at the time, but I know now it wasn't. But I got picked over like 15 or 20 other women. Some of them had been there like 15 years to be the, the president's uh, personal assistant to all of his assets privately and to the company. It's like a $180 million company. I mean, and, and God breaks in and tells me I'm going to Florida. My family thought I was crazy. Jeff knew. Not at first. But God proved it to him. That's a beautiful story in and of itself. My point is, is that we don't always know what's going to be required of us being prepared. I'm trying to help you see secrets of that hidden wisdom that God himself has ordained that it be hidden for your glory, for your glory. See, when you're transfigured to shine, that's my ministry tagline, when you're transfigured to shine, you're so transformed that the glory comes on you, you don't even know it's on you. You're just like trying to press through, but the glory is increasing on you. And God helps you to know that you're transforming. And it never stops. It never ends. Bill Johnson has this saying that says that the fullness and the express image of transfiguration he believes is in a fully transformed mind. Because... The scriptures say the veil, it was prophesied tonight, that that veil is gone. So we have access, but yet, what, did, what does Paul say? It says there remains a veil. I remember Randall Worley, he came to victory on Fruitville. It changed my life. He was talking about the veil, and he went like this. It went like this. He said that that wall was so thick, and the narrow way for the priest to get in from the inner court to the most holy. It, it just required a pressing. He had to slide in. And then there was just enough room, they thought, for them to turn. And then they had to press this way. It changed my thought process, Betty Jo. I saw then, oh, wow, Donna. You got to go deeper. You got to go further. You really do have to let this happen by yourself. I couldn't go on nobody else's faith or courage. I had to find my own. God wants you to find what he's doing more right now because he told me specifically he's decking himself for victory. That means he's preparing now. He has a fresh word, a fresh experience, a fresh encounter, a fresh revelation to you personally. And... He's got it for the house at the same time. So if we individually do our part to allow ourselves to steal ourselves and hone our focus to see him, to see him preparing himself, to sit right there and wait and wait. And wait, do all that you know to do. Was it saying, having done all to stand, stand? No matter what's happening with the devil, no matter what's happening with family, with the flesh, with geopolitics, with the heavens, 
Do you know the word focus comes from the Latin word? It's the same root word in the Latin. We get the word fireplace. It means literally to burn. When you focus, you're burning. Trying to help somebody, Bishop. When you're focused, you're on fire for God. It may not look like it through a religious lens. Thank God it don't. It may not look like it to your family. But if you're focused, you're burning. And this time of preparation is critical for our house. We have a right to change. It's a finished work, and yet we are being consecrated, sanctified unto him. A holy preparation is well underway. A preparation is well underway in the house and in us. And it's going to increase. And it might intensify for you. And I'm trying to help put some reminders in your spirit so that no matter what comes your way, you will stand. You will stay the course and not end up in a ditch. Or not pull back. Hebrews 10, 14. He perfected forever them that are being sanctified. I tell people all the time. It's a finished work inside your flesh. And then it's being walked out. It's being transformed as you choose. As you go. As you have communion with him. As you have a revelation. As you hear a voice from God. As you learn how to use your weapons of warfare in worship. As you begin to get a changed image in your mind of what you really look like. And who God really made you to be. I say this to myself. I'll stand in the mirror and I'll go. Will the real Donna Scott please come forth? It works. Go ahead, take it, practice it. It really does work. Well, the real Colleen. Who is Colleen? Who is Jim Watson? Who is Connie Columbus? There's more. We're being prepared. We're being prepared. We're being prepared. We're being prepared. We have to stay the course. We have to set ourselves. We have to let whatever needs to be cut away, cut away. We have to set ourselves. We have to be brave enough to face the unknown. Hebrews 10, 14, he perfected forever them that are being sanctified. He did everything in one translation. He did everything that is needed to be done for everyone who takes part in the purifying process of being made holy. Another translation says, He has perfected forever and completely cleansed those who are being sanctified, bringing each believer to spiritual completion and maturity. (laughs) Woo, come on. Perfected in perpetuity, it says. Perfected for all time. Those who are being sanctified. 1 John 1, 1, we are perfected what? Y'all know the word? By keeping his word. We're perfected by keeping his word. God is love. God is a consuming fire. Jesus is cloaked in his zeal. That's what the word says. He's cloaked in his zeal. What is his zeal? 
is His jealous love for you. He's jealous for you. He's jealous for you. Oh, if I could help somebody tonight. This, this eluded me for many years of my Christian walk. Maybe you got it. Maybe you get that. Uh, even if you do, I pray you go further in it. God is jealous for you. He is jealous for you. The word says he's cloaked in his zeal. That word in the Hebrew, it literally means a jealous fire of love. He'll burn up anything that needs to be burned up. The more you yield to him, the easier it gets. The easier it gets, the more you want to yield. The more you yield, the easier it gets. The more you yield, the more courageous you get. You start telling the devil, run, devil, run. I'm coming for you. I'm not going to let my family be stolen. I'm not going to let my marriage be stolen. I'm not going to let my future to be married be taken away. I'm not going to give up money or my idea of what I want for my business or my family. I don't care what the doctors say. I don't care what it looks like on the report. I will walk again. Isaiah 42, 13, it says he shall stir up his own zeal. So we don't even really have to worry about trying to stay on fire for God. If we'll just stay next to Jesus, yield to him, eat the word, pray, obey, stay faithful, hone your focus, stay in community. It says here that he'll stir up his zeal like a man of war. Now think about that. There's a lot of things men do. But a man of war prepares in a unique way. And I'm not talking about, you know, charismatic witchcraft or none of that hokey pokey crap. I'm talking about power in God. I'm talking about the name of Jesus. I'm talking about knowing who you are and being able to walk into a situation and the atmosphere changes and know that God sent you there. And you exercise the authority. It says right here that we have a right to that authority. What time is it? Can't see the 8.10. Okay, I'm wrapping up. Revelation and understanding of his jealous love for you will reveal and cause you to see and know the fear of God. Through sacrifice and self-denial, fasting, praying, worship, and learning how to gaze upon him learning how to focus, practicing focus, practicing focus, practicing focus, focus. We don't get to choose the process. Okay, Let me just remind you, in case somebody's told you lately, you don't get to figure out how your consecration process goes. It's one area that I liked deeply and I discovered a long time ago that... Not nothing, nothing to dishonor them, but but some of the church leaders that I was listening to, they they didn't know. They didn't know. I just remember being so disgusted, Stacy. I, I remember sitting in the parking lot at this one church. I'd been there for a while. It was so precious to me, and we had had a Holy Ghost service. I mean, the Spirit moved. The church I was telling you about with the braces, and and the miracles, and. Out in the lobby, the leadership got in a fight. They were arguing and fighting and yelling, and I was devastated. I was devastated. 
After years of leaving the Lord, I'd come back and I was getting on fire. I was just pressing in. I was going full-fledged. And then see that? I, it was such a contradiction. It was such a confliction in my mind. I remember going to my car, Miss Glory. I cried out to God. I was crying like a baby. I was like, God, really? Really? Is there no leader that has character and integrity and knows how to steward the anointing and won't let that happen? And so help me as sure as I know my own name. He said, Donna, if you let me, I'll make you one of those leaders. And I didn't, I, didn't know, I didn't know then what he was saying, Darlene. I didn't know. I didn't know what he was saying. I, I, I think I'm just now starting to kind of get it. Because he's so awesome. He's so powerful. It makes us sometimes feel like we want, but no, we want to go this way. We want to go deeper still in, into that jealous love, into the word, into prayer, into community, into vulnerability, into sharing my life with people. Come on. We are being prepared. Fire brings blessing and fire brings judgment. And I have discovered that even the judgment of God is good. The judgment of God is good for you. If you don't understand the judgment of God, or if you're in a process that's painful or you have conflict with God about that you can't talk to Him about, that's an indicator that you don't like what's happening. If you don't like what's happening, that's where you need to get the victory. Blessing and judgment both are good in the preparation of the church age and the bride. Come on. It's who we are. We have to be corrected. If we don't yield to it, we will yield one way or another. He said every knee would bow and every tongue confess. So we have to remember that no matter what, that that fire brings blessing or it can bring judgment. And if it does bring judgment and we find ourselves in need of deliverance or correction, or if we're under conviction... He's probably trying to enable you or empower you somehow. So don't resist him. Let him have his way. The thing you lack is a revelation of how worthy he is. If you can get a revelation of how worthy he is, then you can probably yield to him. Just ask him, say, Jesus, help me to see that you're worthy because right now I feel like i got to do this and I don't even understand why. I'm going to give you a little secret. It's going to be so easy. This is how you consecrate your life to God. You ready? It's real easy. Just like that. That's, that's what it takes. You bend your knee. You bend your mind. You let him bend your mind. You let him transform your mind. Mike Bickle says it takes God to love God. I'm convinced of that. He makes all grace abound towards us. We have to see that he's just, and I really am closing this time, I promise. Proverbs 16.11 says that honest weights and scales are the Lord's. The Lord himself. The Lord himself gets to choose what's best for you in your path. All the weights in the bag are his work and his concern. Just balance and honest scales are the Lord's. 
all the weights of the bag are his for eternal purposes. Honest balances and scales belong to the Lord. Father God, right now, I just thank you for every man, every woman, every child. I thank you for the blood of Jesus over their lives. I thank you for the power of the Holy Ghost over them. And I pray right now that they would have eyes of understanding. That they would know the hope of your calling. That they would see themselves worthy to be presented faultless in the presence of your glory. I pray right now that you would not pull back. I pray right now that you would not let yourself get in the wrong direction, under the wrong sway of thought. In the name of Jesus, I pray against every obstacle, every chain, every barrier, every demonic force that's tried to stop you. I bind you, devil, in the name of Jesus, and I take authority over every life and their process as a mother of the house. I bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com.